welcome back to the House of Ardent podcast. I'm Alira and I'm taking a, a spot here for Leanne because she can't be here right now. Um, <laughs> I'm interviewing uh, the famous Bobby Gordon. His parents are actually famous in the industry as well, but I'm here to talk about Bobby. So, hi Bobby, how are you? I'm doing well, Alira. Thanks for having me on today. <laughs> no, thank here. you. Um, well, we can be here, but with you there. <laughs> Maybe one day we can do this in person. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> so, Bobby, tell me a bit about you and what you do. Yeah, um, I I do. I'm an artist, um, and I'm a, and I'm a sex educator, and I do arts-based sex ed. Um, and I've been doing, or I, I was doing arts-based sex ed theater in schools for about ten years. Wow. So I was working with university. Do working with university students using a form of theater from Brazil called Theater of the Oppressed okay. to create um, sex positive, LGBT inclusive the sex ed theater led by uh, led by the students' questions. So the university students would create autobiographical theater, poetry, music, dance, performance, and then we would perform it at high schools. And we would do something called foreign theater, which is a strand of Theater of the Oppressed where you stage an oppression that's true to life of one of the actors, and then you invite the audience into the scene to rehearse strategies for responding. And the reason why Theater of the Oppressed is because, um, you know, I think in the sex and HIV world, we talk, we talk a lot about, like, this the cliche, knowledge is power. And I think, yeah, knowledge is powerful, but also there's so many ways in which you can have the knowledge and it's not enough to be able to make your own choices, be able to, to make your own safe choices. Wow. Um, power, power dynamics get in the way. Like, for example, if you've got a, um, a richer, older partner who can, who's, kind of, who's controlling and you know all the steps of how to use a condom and get tested, you might still not be able to do it because they don't want to and you can't afford to say no to them or you get yeah. bullied by them. So that's what I've been doing for a long time. I started doing that work. Um, I can tell the, the whole story about that. It's a fun story. Um, doing it in LA, in, in Los Angeles, then in the south of the United States, which is much more conservative, yeah. in North Carolina and Georgia. Wow, and how was that received? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny, the, the university students were some of the most body students I've ever worked with. Um, they were some of them, the wildest students, and I think it's in response to such a conservative situation. Wow. Um, the setting was quite conservative. It was very difficult to get into schools, but the, the university students themselves were incredibly open-minded and fantastic. And then working a little bit in South Africa and Mexico as well. Wow. And do, do you think like the, your message has been received really well, or have you had some controversy over that, if that's the right word? Um, I think for the most part it's been, it's been received well, and I think the message, um, I, I think the question of message is a really interesting part of it, because... It's so, it puts the, the university students in the driver's seat on the content. It's less dogmatic about here's the sexual health message that we're pushing yeah. and more what is the urgent question for you in this time in this place. So the issues that students are talking about are very dependent on the location and the values and the, the controversies of that location. So, um, so we're talking about yeah, issues sorry. of, of, of talking about issues of, of race, of immigration, of sexual orientation, all of those things coming up that are so contextual, are so contextually different. Right, and and so are you taking like different stories from different areas uh, to to then put across into these performances, or? 
So to the students, the, the live performances are created by the students in the place. Right, okay. Um, and then the students who have created the work, they're the ones performing their own stories. Wow. So it's basically giving yeah. them a voice. That's really cool. I yeah. like that. Um, and it's been, it's been powerful to see the, the high school students, the younger students as well, like connect with the older students. So some students, uh, this one student, uh, actually from North Carolina, but living in L.A., very religious young woman, told a story about uh, getting an abortion. And okay. really powerful story. Sure. And and the connection that the young woman had with her, her, her speaking openly about it. Um, another another student from a very religious family talked about her own. Um, I'll, I'll say like Hang on a sec. In just, of a very can we can we just for her, like, that pause was a second? Sorry, <laughs> you've just put, you've just you've just oh, okay. broke. It's alright. You've just broken up. Can you say that sentence again? I can't. It's so shame. It was the first eloquent thing I said. No. <laughs> um, so this this young woman created a story about coming to terms with her her sexuality and her her experience as a young woman yeah. in the midst of a really patriarchal religious system that was telling her to both be sexual but not and having right. kind of setting her up to fail. Oh, so it's God. quite quite powerful piece. Yeah. Okay. And when when so. They're performing their story, so in order to prepare them for this, because obviously they're going to be able to f like face what happened to them, um, is there anything yeah. that you do or is there somebody that you get in to help them prepare to tell this story? We start with a, with a Sexual Health 101, um, working with, with amazing educators at Planned Parenthood yeah. um, who, are working, who are giving them kind of like sexual health information basics, and then we're working together as a group to, to craft a show that deals holistically with, as holistically as the group that we have can talk That's about sexual health topics. Obviously, we're not going to touch on everything, yeah. um, but based on what we've got in the room, like those are the issues, the issues that they're dealing with and what we're going to talk about. Um, but I, it, there's been moments where, like, for example, one student told a coming out story, and we're touring it to, to high schools that are incredibly heteronormative situations. Sure, so. Yeah. It's not necessarily an easy experience for that young person to talk about. And so there's a lot of group processing and group holding. And there's some, there's some shows that feel like we're preaching to the choir, and there's other shows that feel like we're really challenging folks. Yeah. And the challenging, the challenging shows are hard on our students. I mean, it's a very, it's not an easy, it's interesting, it's a class, it was a class at UCLA that I taught for 10 years. Um, so students are getting university credit for, for doing this. Oh um, this is part of, their, so part of their coursework towards their degree. Um, and a lot of students think, like, oh, this is going to be an easy class because there's not a ton of papers and there's not a ton of tests. And like, it's a hard class because of what it requires of you getting up in front of people and telling your stories like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so <laughs> in, in our class, students are never, um, students get to choose how much they share and then how much they share on stage. So it's, it's their decision. And consent, I mean, we have to model consent in the way that we're creating the show if we're going to talk about consent on stage. Yeah, yeah. So students get to decide if they share something, whether that's just for our inner group, and then if they want to share something with a larger group, they can. Um, and so students are encouraged to, to step out of the comfort, their comfort zone themselves, but not to be pushed or push each other out of their comfort zone. Oh, see, that's a uh, really that's, good platform. I like that. <laughs> when are you coming to the UK? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love, oh my God, I'd love to come to the UK. <laughs> that would be I, it's brilliant. so funny because we, 
it's been it's been such an interesting thing to see the overlap and then like how many things are similar when we do the work in LA, in North yeah. Carolina, in South Africa. There's so many of the issues obviously contextual and different, but so much overlap. Yeah. And actually all of this starts inspired by a South African. So it kind of made sense for us to go back over there. Wow, that's so cool. I think that'll be really well received in London. There's so many communities here that could really use something like that. Let's look into mm. it. <laughs> 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 I did, uh, so the, the, the South African I'm referring to, uh, Peter Dirk Ace is an amazing, amazing artist and activist and educator. Uh, he was, he's, he is uh, a white, gay, Afrikaner, South African. who uh, Sounds like someone I would want to hang out with, honestly. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes indeed. Um, he, his most famous character is Avita Basedenhout, who he performs in full... When he, when he goes into costume, he is Evita, the self-proclaimed most famous white woman in South Africa. Wow. Um, and we, we kind of understand her, I guess, like, the similar, like, um, the, the, like, matching up piece would be, like, Stephen Colbert in the U.S., like, someone who, like, when they're, when they're complimenting you, they're so satirical that it means that they're insulting you to your face. Right. Um, sure that there's a million British examples of that. Y'all, y'all been doing that for centuries. <laughs> Um, so he, he was doing anti-apartheid theater in South Africa during apartheid. Right. Okay. And, and he, um, does this, does it relate to your, um, production in porn or is this completely different? So it, it, it feels like the roots of my, of my production in the adult world. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it feels, it feels very connected. So the, the work with, sorry, the work with Peter kind of connecting, bringing all the strands together, um, Peter Durkace came to UCLA for a two-week workshop. My, my boss brought him over to work with us, and he asked me if I would be his assistant, and I'd never heard of him at the time. Wow. And so it was like a rant Tuesday, and I'm like Googling his name while my boss is asking me if I'll be his assistant. And like the first thing that comes up is Nelson Mandela calling him a national treasure. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be his assistant for a two-week workshop. Sure. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> And his his approach is using using comedy to make us less afraid of the things that we're that we're afraid of, um, which makes us actually better prepared to protect ourselves against them. Yeah. Whether that is the racism of apartheid or whether that's HIV. Right. Because uh, his his argument is that HIV is the new apartheid in South Africa, which I think is very apt. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so he came and was teaching you know, teaching our students how to use humor to intervene on HIV. And so we were facing this method and then developed it into the UCLA sex squad. Um, and I, I did that for 10 years and I loved it. And also, oh my God, the censorship in schools is ridiculous. I can imagine. Um, it, <laughs> it has very little to do with what I think is actually healthy for young people and much more to do with puritanical morals and comfort levels of parents right. and administrations. That are that are worried about lawsuits and things like that. Obviously, I don't think um, like obviously I, I I believe that like it makes sense for to be for work to be tailored specifically to different age groups, um, and it hasn't like the the, the the policies were not logical and the policies were not actually based on what the youth wanted or were ready for. So I got really curious about what would um, what would uncensored sex ed look like? Wow, what would sex ed look like? It's like <laughs> literally, literally the only censorship was um was about like 
politics and ethics, like the only things you were deciding not to do was because they were like ethically you didn't stand by them and pedagogically you didn't think they're effective. Like what if that was literally the only reason why you would not do something? And do do you uh, think that there's like racism in sex education or like Oh absolutely. Oh, deeply. I mean, racism is a sexual health issue. Yeah. And that's actually one of the challenges that I came up with a lot in the work at UCLA. And part of the reason why I left is, I mean, UCLA is a, I love this term. We talk about historically black colleges in the United States. Mm -hmm. But the, the flip side of that is that all of the other universities, which are just called universities, are historically white universities. Right. So UCLA, like many other colleges, is a historically white university. And so the UCLA business card, and it, it understands its value because of how exclusive it is. Right. So like when, when new students come to UCLA, they, they welcome, they're welcomed by saying, like, you're the best of the best. More students apply to this university than anywhere else. Congratulations, you're the ones who got in. So like they, UCLA understands itself as valuable yeah. because it's exclusive and elitist. Like, and that is, that's not, and, and UCLA is not rare in that way. Like that is... That's Harvard, that's Stanford, oh. that's Cal. Like that's, that, it just that, makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> it just makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. And, yeah, and so for me, I, there's, there's an inherent contradiction in doing theater in the press at, in, the, in a university setting, yeah. which is so oppressive and hierarchical and racist. So um, we can, and so sexist you, and patriarchal and all of those things. And especially like, we are coming from the, this, this university into communities, so this historically white university, going into communities primarily of color, primarily right. black, and, black and brown folks. So we can hope and, to break the mold in, in what you're doing with, well, with what I you're bringing. It breaks, yes and. So I think in yeah. some, it's, it's, a, it's a catch-22 because I think it breaks the mold in terms of, like, it is both, it's biting the hand that feeds it, but also, like, the fact that we are able to go into these black and brown communities has to do a lot with the UCLA business card and the whiteness of that. Yeah. And so there's something inescapable about here we are coming from coming from the university into this community of black and brown folks as though we deserve to be there, as though we know what we're talking about. And even if we're going in with community press and asking questions instead of, like, telling people what to do, we still are coming in asking questions and problematizing, which communicates that there is a problem that you have. Um, and so it, at the heart of it, even while it's radical, it's also problematic. Yes. And so for me, I would really like, and I don't think that there's any magical place in, in, the, in the United States that's free of racism. Like the work needs to happen everywhere. I, I don't and think there's a place in the entire world that is free of racism. Yeah. So... Oh, you're breaking up and again. Hang on. Absolutely. <laughs> you just, yep, you're back. Sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and same with patriarchy and same with homophobia and yes. sexism. Yeah. And so, like, I don't think magically, like, coming into the adult world, like, there's so much racism in, in, in the porn world. Sure. So much. Yeah, uh, there really is. And this, and I, this is something that needs to be changed. <laughs> so much so. I, I'm really grateful. Um, so... Coming into the the the, the, the adult world uh, for my first production, uh, I wanted to I wanted to make adult cinema that was both really erotic and successful as an adult film and very human as an adult film, yeah, and I also like having that. sex ed themes imbued in it. Yeah, I really so, like that. I've been watching some of your stuff, and I'm just like, oh my god, it's so beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> no, for much. real, it really is. <laughs> uh, 
the sex ed themes that I wanted to explore in this first project, um, Estate Sale Pleasure Hunt, which I did for xconfessions.com, um, I wanted to explore um, navigating consent in kind of a kinky way. So they navigate, the couple navigates consent almost like through role-playing with oh, a I third enacting party. I love that. That's, that's uh, not shown enough in, in hardly anything across the board. I mean, I come from a kink environment yeah. and... Just even you suggesting that has made the hairs stand up on on the back of my neck with excitement. I just I think it's a great I wanna, idea. I want to double back around to your. To, I know you you do work as a dominatrix. Yeah, and I want to I want to pick your brain because okay. I know that the that the kink community like models consent so beautifully. Oh, yeah. Like the rest of us who aren't in the kink world, like have so much to learn from the yeah. way that kink is navigated. I mean, it in, doesn't in always get it right, yeah. but <laughs> sure. sure. We're working on it. Uh, yeah, well, it's like, almost like a footnote to come back, come back to you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We'll, we'll talk later on this one. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, was, it, uh, was it because of your parents that you decided to come into the porn world, or...? Um, I, I came into... I think that's how I originally found my way into the, the sex ed world. Sure. And eventually into the adult film world as well, because my, my dad... Being a, an adult film I know you've spoken with my dad. or uh, no, Leanne, well. Leanne has. I, I edited yeah. it. <laughs> um, I was raised in an environment that was sex positive. Right. So, so and, that, and my, my parents' favorite thing to say about the way that they raised uh, me and my sisters is that they raised us to have a healthy outlook towards sex, which in our society makes us incredibly fucked up. Too, so too I, normal society it does. Yes, to normal society. Yes. <laughs> to the rest of us, uh, you know, it's quite healthy yeah. to have a, an open relationship with the idea of it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so for my, for my upbringing, like, for example, like, um, I got caught stealing my dad's Playboys as a kid, and my dad's response was to give me the Playboys and put a lock on my door. <laughs> like, and, That's perfect. And basically like, <laughs> yeah, like, go, saying, go, go explore. Yeah. Uh, and so that's like I'm I'm grateful for that message that like explore like sexual pleasure is is okay, sexual pleasure is not shameful or sinful or wrong. Um, what a beautiful and all too rare thing to be teaching young people as we're coming into our own sexuality. And it's ex um, that exact it's, same approach that I've I've given with my brothers. Like I've got younger brothers, and as soon as they turned of the age, I was just like, right, what do you want to know? <laughs> And they, they literally, they, they phone me on a regular mm. basis with, with their problems. So I'm just like, yeah, cool. That's beautiful. Yeah, we, we've got a pretty open, oh, open-minded family here. That's amazing. And they oh know what God. I, I do as more, well. I wish so. they were more of our, both, I wish they were more both of our families. <laughs> yeah. No, I like it. Uh, um, and so coming, coming from that background, I felt like, um, and like, I, I was hearing all the time my dad speak about his career and my dad, my dad's, a, my dad's a romantic and, and an artist, and he talked about he got into the industry in a with a beautiful thought of like, what if artists were making erotic film? Like, what if we reclaimed it? Uh, yes. What 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 would what would the porn be if, if the best this directors is, of our time? This is were exactly it? the route that I want to be going down. I'm going into producing yeah. over here. <laughs> Oh, beautiful. Well, so, I, I have to make it over there. We have to work on something together. Oh, my God, um, yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll Hands down. We're schedule. done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up for that. Uh, <laughs> I'll and, even come over I there. Love... Oh, let's, either way. Either do way. It. Yes, yeah. please. 
Um, and I love that idea of like that question of like, what if we like similar to the sex ed question? I have like, what if artists were making were making erotic film, and the only censorship was what the what the art called for, what the story called for? Yeah. Um, and and I think in that way, like, like he went into the industry trying to do that, and so I would hear him speak about his work, and I often like knowing my dad to be such a sensitive, caring man, I often found myself challenged by who my dad was in my life and yeah. who I knew my dad to be. My dad was like such a wonderful dad. My dad was the stay at home dad. My mom was working originally as a sex therapist before I was born and then as a marriage and family therapist. And so my dad was the one driving me to all my baseball practices, going to every game. Like he was such a, such a present, loving, supportive, sensitive dad. This is so nice. And, like that, and that's not who society says a male porn star is. Yeah. So I had this conflict that I had to work out is like, Either I'm wrong about who my dad is, or the world is so wrong about who my dad is. And if the world is so wrong, dad would, why would you choose this thing that you knew what it would do to you? Yeah. Like, why, like, what's going on with that? I understand. So that. I, I, I created a one man show called Debbie Does My Dad about growing up as the son of a porn star. That's so cool. Uh, playing <laughs> off the, the Debbie Does Dallas title. I need to watch um, this. Why I, haven't you shown this to me? I know, I've, I've walked back in the room. She keeps looking over to me, and I've walked back in the room. So I'm going to come and join you. Come and join us. Hey, welcome. You're keeping things from me. I know, look at I'm, I'm, I kind of walked in, and I sat in the back of the room, and I'm like, oh, I, yes, I interviewed your father. Oh. And what a great positive attitude towards sex he has. And he's obviously passed it on yeah. to yourself as well. Now, yeah. Debbie Does Dallas, I actually went to Edinburgh. To I the... need to see this film. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the Edinburgh uh, Fringe and I actually seen a stage play of Debbie Does Dallas. Oh, my God. That's and, amazing. Yeah, and we're going back probably what about... Year? It must have been about 10 years ago. Maybe I was over 30, but I was... Be... Okay. In between 30, when I was 30 and 34, and now I'm 45, so... You're not that old. Yes, I am. So it's got to be about 13 years ago, but it was phenomenal. Okay. And what was really weird is I'm in the audience with the fi some friends from the, from the financial world that had been invited mm -hmm. up. And a few of them knew I was a former adult actress. And you can imagine being in the audience and they're asking the audience a few questions and I'm just <laughs> cringing at the back of the room, going, please don't ask me anything. So, <laughs> I've been put on the spot a few times. Hey? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that, that was really good. But I love the take that you've taken on it, that um, my dad done Debbie. I think it's brilliant. No, I've got to see this film now. Can we watch it tonight? She now wants me to sit in and watch porn this evening. Lyra, so what are you I, doing? Me. That, yeah, so I, I took it to the Edinburgh Fringe in 2011. So I did a, a, a month-long run, a full month, full fringe run at the at the Bedlam Theatre. Wow. Um, and performing that show every night. And my dad actually came to Scotland to see the, to see the show. How did it go down? Ooh. It was, we got at the full range of reviews. The Scotsman did not understand it. They were, I think they were expecting high theater. And that was not oh, what I was doing. Yeah. Um, it was, we were, it was described, do you know the, the, the American sitcom, The Wonder Years? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so. That's okay then. One, a, fellow, 
a fellow uh, actor at the, at the festival described it as the wonder years of porn, which I think is a very, very good description. That sounds pretty Wait, Well, your, pretty awesome. your, your father was in the wonder years of um, porn. I mean, fascinating. I mean, I've read his autobiography. Yeah. And I, love in, I loved interviewing him and I stay in contact with him. So I knew a little bit about you. And... Mm. And then Alira had said to me that she wanted to do some production and your work and her ideas are so, you know, in the direction (laughs) you're both aiming to go. Yeah, because I've been Mm. playing around with like height, you know, the depth of field and the colour grades Mm. and, you know, all the soft focuses and things. And I just want to, I don't know, I just want to bring a flavour back to the productions that like not a lot of people do nowadays. Because I see, because we've got a storyline. Storyline, yeah, yeah. So it's I, the storyline. It's the emotion. It's 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 the yeah. actual visual art of it as well that I really want yes. to bring bring into it and yeah. just make it pretty again. I, and I and I did confess to her earlier that you know it is based on real life because you know many people have slept with the electrician and the plumbers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm not going to confess to having a couple of delivery drivers, but. <laughs> She doesn't need to. We've already worked it out. We've filled in the gaps. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, yeah. Oh, I was going to say with your educational stuff. Now, in England, I mean, I'm, I'm qualified. I got qualified by the Family Planning Association in the UK from after my retirement, mm-hmm. but then I wasn't able to go into a school. Mm-hmm. They were too afraid to put ex adult actress in with with school children. And then this one time I was doing a show for TV called Sex Education and they had presenters who were not qualified in sex education Mm. asking the students what they thought about porn and then they placed me for media purposes into the room and said, here you are children, she's an ex-adult star, ask her what you want. I think that was pretty cool. Well, not really, because when I had sex education, and remember, mm. I didn't have a camera in front of me when we were in school. Yeah. You can't yeah. ask a yeah. classroom full of children to suddenly put their hand up and say, oh, yeah, I want to ask you this and I want to ask you that. They all went really yeah. quiet. I think the intent of is course. there. Of course. Yeah. The delivery is not quite there yet. Yeah, we, we could yeah. really do with somebody like yourself in England. Oh, yeah, come to London. Would love to. Oh, my God, would love to. <laughs> would love to. Um, I, I, I feel I feel you on what you're saying so much because it's not a safe like it's not a safe space and like obviously like no no space is fully safe because like ch- we need change and change doesn't happen in safe spaces but also like we're asking like in that moment those young people were asked to put their hand up and basically like, identify and out themselves as curious about whatever topic they're going to talk about yeah. and that could put them potentially even at physical risk like let's say they're asking a question about their own sexuality and yeah. it's an incredibly homophobic environment like that's not we can't assume a safe space so it's it's, it's unfair um and, and just a bad strategy to yeah. do what they did to you and to the young people that day like i i, I agree yeah I mean, not good. It, it was really bad myself i mean i don't i mean you know i'm an ex-adult star i mean I'm, you're a badass you're brave i've i've done <laughs> i've done loads of stuff in my life and i don't deny or um have any shame about my past or whatever I embrace it and I've worked with it however to, you know other people are you know don't like to talk about it and it shouldn't be forced mm-hmm. on them 
But an issue we have in the UK is obviously with the COVID-19 lockdown, a lot more people have been accessing yeah. online adult materials. Yep. And especially yeah. for parents working from home, they, they, they're they just going to put their kids in front of a computer and then they blame the sex industry or the, the adult entertainment world. And then it's going to come what, down on our heads. Yeah. And when in fact it's got nothing to do yeah. with the adult entertainment world, it comes down to parenting. Yeah. 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 Well, I think also what you were saying about like, you know, porn's not inventing the storylines about like the plumber or the like, it's also not inventing the racism. Like the racism is like, we as a racist society are going to have racist porn until we do act, do active work against it. Yeah. Uh, like it's not going to matter. Like porn is not going to matter. Our sexual fantasies, our sexual expression is not going to magically be free of that. Like why would we think that it would be? Like it's kind of wishful thinking, right? So like, that's why I think like we were talking about like yeah. racism as a sexual health issue. Like that's why I think porn, like porn and all erotica, like has to be deliberately anti-racist. Which is why, like, so I've only made one film, one erotic film, and it was critical to me to have primarily women behind the camera and, sure. and non 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 male gendered folks behind the camera and folks of color. Um, especially if we had two black performers, we had to have black folks behind the camera. Otherwise, it becomes so a very weird, reinforcing, objectifying situation. Yeah, that must have been so beautiful to film, though. Oh, I can just imagine it. See, it, I... was, it was beautiful. Like, you know, I, I, we, had, we had someone from, like, uh, from X-Biz there doing, doing an article. They were like, it's so weird. Like, they, we had a, so the production company that we were working for had, has, like, a document, like, of, like, here's what the, here's what the, like, Bill of Rights is for the performers. My producer and I, like, like on-site producer, the amazing Lotus Lane, who I, I want to encourage yeah. you all to speak to as well. She's an incredible, she's a superhero. I mean, with the name, like, Lotus Lane, of course. Oh, my yeah. Uh, we have to interview her. She's an adult actress, and it was her first time producing, my first time directing, um, and we worked so well as a, as a team. Incredible, incredible black woman performer, sure. um, and led led the way in creating an environment that was so positive and so holding and so um, so amazing for the performers. Um, I feel so grateful to her because for me, being my first time on set as a director, and her being on a ton of sets, I was like, I'm looking to you to like to help me help us set an environment that is positive for folks to feel safe and folks to make art. That's, that's fantastic. So like, Absolutely. I love like our, you know, the, 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 like the, one of the key grips is wearing a black lives matter t-shirt yeah. and it, like, and our producer who's running the show is a black woman. Like it makes a huge difference um, who's behind the camera. So I, for me as a, as a cisgender heterosexual white dude, it was really important to me that I be rare in yeah. terms of who's behind the camera. Um, that I not be I not be the norm on the project. So it created a, a, a feeling like it did not feel like a boys club behind the camera. That's and it was important. Not a white it boys is club. important. But this is another reason why I want to be behind the camera because not just because you know I'm I'm a professional and I know what I'm doing. It's just that um, okay, I'm going to out myself now. Not very many people know this, but I'm actually a gay woman, and mm. like. I, f I feel like I can give something more to the actors than just, like you said, the, the guys club, you know, like... Yeah. So this is another reason why I want to be able to produce movies as somebody mm. behind the camera, so... I, I guess, mm. I mean, for me, I, I mean, from the adult days that I was in, I never really looked at any... I, I, for me, when, you know, when I was there, I never saw any racism within my adult career. And I guess mm. looking back now, when they say that interracial is racist, I'm like, I was booked directly from the the black directors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. So well, I don't want to. 
Yeah, I don't so want to I... assume your race. The, the three of us, I think, present as white. Yeah. Um, and I think for, for, I'll just say for me as a white person, like one of the characteristics of me like, as a white person is I don't have to think about racism. So like, I don't have yeah, no, to. Yeah, like, no, do I? It's kind of. And that, and that's part of white privilege that I think is is is, is important for us to, to unpack. Like that because it's a structural thing. Like it's it's there. Yeah. Whether whether we notice it, we, we may or may not be noticing it. And I'll say I'm grateful to Lotus because she does a lot of work with the around free speech and and anti-racism and porn. And she was organizing a, a strategy meeting for Black folks working in the adult industry around racism for folks of color working around racism in the adult industry. And also oh, her it. colleague organized a white. Um, folks meeting to do work as allies. And so before I'd ever directed my film, I went to this meeting with white actors, white producers, white talent agents, uh, and it was an anti-racism lesson about porn. And to me, it was for me, it was a beautifully eye-opening and powerful and challenging conversation wow. about like what does racism look like in porn yeah. and what does yeah. anti-racism look like in porn. Because yeah, here in the West, I was learning about interracial race. Yeah. So there's this incredibly racist practice where white female performers are are paid more for working with black male actors. I heard that recently. Uh, I, I never was, can I just confess, but in my day I was never paid any extra. There was, um, I, th I can't remember who it was yeah. in that article I sent you, a lovely, lovely um, lady who was basically coming out as being paid less than her co-workers. I'll have to find that out after. No, I was never paid any less. Mm. Um, but I, I think that within my personal life, I found more racism because I used yeah. to go, I went for a stage of, um, I'm attracted to Indian men. Yeah, but they could never take me home to their family right. because I was white. Yeah. So in some respect, I mm. suffered racism from being white, you know, in the sexual manner, relationship I, manner. Well, I think it's important how, how we define racism, because for, for me, I, I understand racism as a structural thing, so like, we, can, we can be discriminated against, but be, like, because we are, are white and hold a, a position of systemic power, yeah. um, we, we, can't, we, can't, we don't experience racism, even in a situation like that, that I'm sure was so painful. So like, not, not to name your experience or say what that was like, I'm sure that that was incredibly hurtful. Um, well, it, it got hurtful after I'd been dating them for six months, and then they told me they still yeah. can't take me home to see their parents, and I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that that's incredible. Like, that's that's certainly really painful discrimination. But I think for us as, as white folks, like white folks still hold uh, structural and systemic power. Yeah. Um, like those kind of individual experiences that we have, like don't don't undo that. And so, like, I, I'm grateful to. Like I'm grateful to the folks of color who have led the way in the work. Like for me, I, I want to shout out um, the amazing work of Audre Lorde. Um, her work, her essay, the, uh, the uses of the erotic, the erotic is power, um, which I've every single group of university students that I've worked with, students read that, um, and to me, it's in, it's inspired my my artistic voice because it's this idea. That oh, we just lost you. Oh no, we've lost you. Hang on. Go back. Say here, say that I'm last sixty north. seconds again. <laughs> just say that last yeah, sentence again. My back. My back. Yep. You're See what we back. get. We just you're get back. you stuck on a picture like this. You're just like. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here going, yeah, come on. <laughs> I try to find the most awkwardly erotic frozen poses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Audrey Lord um, in this essay, the uses of the erotic. She talks. She actually defines porn as sex without eroticism. 
Right. So I think so much of the work that both of you are involved in, like she wouldn't describe it as porn. And I think the work that I'm doing also, she wouldn't describe it as porn. Yeah. It's, it's this notion that the erotic is like when you turn the volume up on being alive, when you, you mm. sense something so heightened, That's whether it's an orgasmic experience, whether it's a sexual experience, yeah. whether it's right, like running or reading a book or cooking or tasting food, like any of those experiences where it gets turned up and you experience life in, in a richer way, that's erotic. For you're, giving yeah. me, you're giving me goosebumps. <laughs> well, it's Audrey. It's, uh, the goosebumps are all Audrey's. Yeah. Uh, you have to send us a link so that she can, so you yeah, can read it. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, please. Yeah. Bobby, it's been so great chatting to, it, chatting to you. Tell the listener and the viewers where they can find all your stuff. Yes, so my the film is it can be found on xconfessions.com. The film is a state sale pleasure hunt. Um, it's my it's my first uh, short that I've worked on. I'm incredibly proud of it, and incredibly proud to have worked with the amazing amazing women um, and uh, folks who are gender non-conforming on the set. Amazing, amazing team. Um, and I'm yeah, looking forward to sharing more of this kind of work and grateful to, to be able to talk with you today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Oh, I've loved oh. it. And we're going to stay in touch because I want you to come to England and yeah, maybe... Yeah, come to London. Hang out with us. Yes, please. Yes, <laughs> and I have, like, I mean, I have, the, I have the, the, the idea for a piece we're going to work on together. We'll nice. talk about it. Oh, I might the pitch now. I'll be behind the scenes now. <laughs> you, can be the, you can be the on-set... Um... I'm, I'm actually going to be the first ever inti intimacy coach. She's going coach. to be the on-set intimacy oh, coach. Oh, yes, please. Yes. Yeah, oh so, yeah well, I'm, I'm actually going to be the... Like, I mean, yeah. I've, I've not been on a porn set for probably 20 years, but I've agreed to go on to Alira's productions as an, um, as an intimacy coach because, it, you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be covered on... Adult erotica sets. So yep. yeah, yes, I have agreed to help. First time in twenty years, I'll probably be running away the first time I see an erection. I'll be like, oh my god, <laughs> that's so embarrassing. They haven't changed much. No, I, I'm sure the penis still looks the same. I mean, I've only been on lockdown for three months. <laughs> Bobby, it's been an absolute pleasure. Stay in touch and keep us up to date on absolutely everything. And for the listener Thank and the you. viewer, totally recommend. Going to see Bobby Gordon. If he ever gets near you, go and see him. Definitely do yeah. it. Thank you, Bob. Thank you so much. Mm. Bye.